The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi there. Hi, this is Gwendolyn. Welcome to the Visual Workplace, where every week we look at some aspect of embedding our operational intelligence into the living landscape of work so that the workplace does what? So that it speaks. So so that it speaks to us in a voice that is our own voice, a voice that is reflecting our level of understanding of what our operational system is. That is a natural barrier in the language of visuality, your own understanding, your own intelligence about your own operational system. What we do is we embed that intelligence through visual devices into the dynamic physical landscape of work. And the way that we embed that is through visual devices. Those devices hold elements of information put into a context. And when we put information into a context, it has meaning. We can respond to it. We can recognize it. We can react to it. We can use it. We can perform based on that information. We design the workplace so that it speaks to us, and it speaks to us in a voice that we recognize as our own. So when you are moving through the process of developing a visual workplace and you hit a natural barrier where the system has some deficiency, that deficiency in a visual workplace is a real deficiency that you have to work on, that you have to make smarter so that you can make visual devices that are smarter, so that your operational system is smarter. It's a beautiful closed-loop system. It has its own feedback. It has its own intelligence, its own strength. It's a complete system. And we've been talking about this. I'm now in my third year of talking to you about this. And even though there are many things I hope that sound familiar, I hope you understand that for me, the visual workplace is a growing, it's a revelation, it's a growing uh, journey of discovery because the more that I use it with my clients and the more that I write books about it and that I contemplate it as I prepare for these radio shows with you, the more that I learn. That's how I know that it's a really solid methodology and a solid um, field to play in, a field to a field of discovery because it keeps informing me 
And I'm really, really good at this. I think about this. I've been thinking about this pretty much night and day when I'm not at the movies watching some slick Hollywood uh, uh, drama or comedy. I'm pretty much thinking about visuality. And, you know, for me, it is deep space. It's like getting on a rocket ship and traveling into space. I am the Starship Enterprise, and I am exploring new worlds and... uh, and understanding new civilizations just the way Jean-Luc Picard does with his team. I just feel, you know, they're all in my head as well. (laughs) I live a very rich internal life. (laughs) And I want to share that with you. I'm telling you, I have more fun on the inside of my head. But the way that it's stimulated is by seeing what's on the outside. And by trying to understand it and trying to understand the subtle, taken-for-granted transactions that happen in the workplace that are all information-based, whether or not they are expressed and explicit or whether or not they are suppressed and hidden and therefore a problem, therefore a trigger for struggle. So, you know, basically I'm having the time of my life and I really, really appreciate uh, the many, many people who are listening and enjoying this with me, and I hope uh, embarking upon their own journeys of discovery in this particular regard. I think it's uh, uh, endlessly fascinating. But that's how you know that you are in your field, that things that other people find not just boring but unexplainably um, uh, irrelevant are f- uh, areas of fascination for you. I remember this one guy, I heard a a TED talk once, or it might have been a moth talk, about a guy who was studying panthers all his life. And it was his life's purpose to understand panthers. And then he had an encounter with one that gave him even more cause to uh, study them more closely. You know, and this for him was a great gift that he had this opportunity to study this inexplicable creature called a panther full of secrets, full of magic, full of specifics. That's the way it is with the visual workplace. And one of the things that we've been talking about is the importance of, if you are, especially if you're a trainer of visuality, for you to fall in love with the field, for you to treat the field as though it's your own. And I have, when I do a really good job in training and people get a good chance to practice after they leave the, the training of trainers, they will talk to me as though they own the field and that they're going to inform me about what they discover. And there's no greater pleasure for me than to receive pictures from people who have graduated and who are sending me back examples of visual solutions. And, Jerome, I got your picture uh, on vacation when you were on vacation showing me those steps in, uh, where was it, in Greece, where you had to go left, right, left, right, left, right. You didn't have any choice. I owe you an email on that one. So welcome to the Visual Workplace this week. We're going to continue our discussion about becoming a brilliant Visual Workplace trainer because the trainers have it. If it doesn't happen in the training room, it won't happen on the shop floor. You simply cannot create a Visual Workplace based on your good looks and my imagination or vice versa. Can't happen. It's trained. It's a body of knowledge. It's a body of principles and practices, and the trainer is responsible for that. So we're going to talk about, we're going to continue our conversation. We're in our seventh show of this series, 
We're going to continue that conversation in just a moment. I have just one main announcement, maybe two. Um, We are presenting three visual events in Portland in December, December 9th, 10th, and 11th. We're going to, I'm going to do my visual workplace uh, flagship seminar, Visual Workplace Visual Thinking, which is a totally fantastic seminar. Uh, it'll be full day. The next day on Tuesday, I'm going to be doing a full day seminar on visual leadership, the subject of my new book, How Do You Structure in Leadership Effectiveness Through Visuality? And I think there will be a number of surprises for people who even consider themselves to be great leaders or great trainers of leaders, great coaches of leaders. We want to structure in those behaviors just the way we do in a visual workplace for operators and for supervisors and engineers. What about the leaders? And by the way, there is a very strong supervisor component of that. What would it be like if your supervisors identified with the role of being a leader of improvement and not just expediting Hmm? and firefighting. So that's day two on Tuesday, December the 10th. On December the 11th, and uh, space is very limited for this, we're going to be doing a visual sight assessment and teaching, I'll be teaching the technology of how do you assess sights. How do you do that? How do you go in and take wherever your company or your client is and understand what is looking at you and looking back at you and where you take the company first. How do you do that? Okay? Because even though we're talking about a set of principles and practices, the savvy coach, the savvy consultant, the savvy internal trainer or coach needs to know at a glance Where is the starting point here? What do I have to work with? And where is the gate? Which door do I enter? Because you can't just, it's not a uh, single paintbrush. We don't just slap, slap, put some visual devices in place, some color coding, some hanging signs, a little bit of andon and some lines on the floor and call it visuality. Not at all. Visuality is about rooting out the information deficits. That means you have to notice the motion. You're using motion as a lever. You have to notice the motion because they are the clue that visuality is missing. Motion is. And then you, layer by layer, begin to address those information deficits. So please come. We have uh, room on Monday and Tuesday, a little bit of room left on on Wednesday for the site visit. Uh, we have uh, the folks who are organizing this have reduced it, the price down from five ninety five to uh, I think four ninety five, and then for two days, if you come to Monday and Tuesday together, it's nine hundred dollars or four hundred fifty dollars a day. Especially if you're in the driving distance area, please come. This is a totally worthwhile. Um, couple of days and if we can fit you in we'll fit you in on Wednesday as well this is the first time in five years that I've done it in the area and we think that we'll continue next year but for sure it's happening in December and we'd love to have you there it will be a very rich learning and learning that you can bring back with you immediately and do things that are different so today we're going to continue oh and I'm supposed to say I'm going to be in China in March And some of you have been in touch from China and asked me when I'm going to be doing public seminars. Please be in touch. We will send you the the information. It's uh, kind of sorting itself out now. 
what that itinerary will be. I'm pretty excited about it. I'm a little bit uh, uh, worried for reasons that I don't want to really put on international radio, <laughs> spewing out to 70,000 people who are listening to us a month. I'm a little bit trepidatious about uh, going to China, and it doesn't have to do with uh, the menu. It has to do with um, the readiness to be serious about um this particular form of continuous improvement. That's all I'm going to say. But I'm going anyway. And I will, the excitement will come later. I've got some really great um, affiliates or, or buddies there, people who want to sponsor me that I feel really, really good about. I feel a, a, a great and deepening trust. And uh, that's an important ingredient for, for me as well. So let us begin. We are going to be talking today about trainers doing your homework, doing your homework, because if you don't do your homework, nobody in your classroom, in your training room is going to learn. You have to be prepared in ways that I want to specify in this show today. And like all trainers, the job of the visual workplace trainer is to inspire, inform, in that order, to inspire and inform, to coach and support, to transform. And what are we transforming? We're transforming the physical workplace. And we are also harnessing the metrics that will drive the business results. These metrics are not your KPIs, even though your key performance indicators will reflect the progress you make in the visual workplace. And we almost always see a 15% increase in productivity, often 30, 34, remember the engineers in Australia. So we see a very, very rich response, but the driving metrics are not your KPIs. They have to do with the number of visual devices, their level of weirdness, how peculiar are they, how are they local to the information deficits, deficits that, being addressed, that are being addressed. And the third metric is the utilization of improvement time, which we've talked about in all of our infrastructure shows, and I'm not going to dwell on here. In our current series, we've discussed many aspects of becoming a brilliant trainer and really amplifying that role and highlighting it, illuminating it, so that the process of learning happens, because if the process of learning happens, then the process of application will be rich and deep. We'll pick this up when we come back from our break. We're going into a break now, our first break. See you in just a moment. I'll be here. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. 
Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's toll free 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. This is Gwendolyn, and welcome to the second part of our show today at the Visual Workplace, and we are discussing now in our seventh segment how to become a brilliant Visual Workplace trainer. If you will remember, we have discussed many aspects of that, from setting up the training room so that it is a true learning environment physically and in terms of the layout itself, in terms of the flow between the tables and the way people sit together You can track this in our previous shows. We've talked about the role of the supervisor during the training, and it is not what you might expect. We are not looking for an active role from the supervisors, and yet the role of the supervisor is absolutely instrumental in the unfoldment of a visual workplace. In particular, we focused on eye-driven and the importance of the supervisor, supervisor allowing that eye, that individual, not the seeing eye, but the, the eye, the power within, to come forth and to begin to express itself. And so supervisors have to take a kind of background role, but active in that passivity. We talked about the principles of preparing the environment for individual or eye learning, the normalizing exercise, and our repeated approach of letting people talk amongst themselves not as a table, but in pairs, so that they can prepare their thinking and even find their thinking and find their voice and find sentences that hold together for them so then, so that when you say, hey, what do you think about what I just asked, they'll have something to contribute. And this is another way of creating parity in the classroom. It is another way of creating the big outcome of visuality, which is to create a workforce of visual thinkers Remember, Taichi Ono did not say people come to Toyota to work and do good work. He said, in the, he said the opposite. He said, Taichi Ono said, people don't come to Toyota to work, they come to think. They come to think. And that speaks volumes of the environment in that place where Taichi Ono and Shigeo Shingo worked to create an environment where people could think because that is what progressed the Toyota production system. That doesn't mean 
capitalizing on people's ideas and running them into the ground and expecting people to come up with all the ideas of change. That means setting up, and that's going to be, by the way, a theme today. That means setting up an environment where people have the opportunity to simply think, to go into that internal state, to sort things out, and to find solutions, to find perspectives, and to find positions about their work that would otherwise not be available to them. It has a great deal to do with providing silence. And then in the last three shows, we talked about the importance of presenting rich, robust examples of visuality, what I call teaching slides, and helping people enter into the experience of learning in the classroom. We talked about learning as a sensory experience, as a combination of senses and brain function, senses and brain function, so that we're not just thinking, but we're also learning. We're learning. And as part of that, in the last couple of shows I've mentioned, especially the last show, using motion as a lever. Motion is going to be one of our metrics, the level of motion in the environment because the level of motion is an extension of what kind of missing answers do you have? What are the information deficits in the environment? When there are information deficits, we see struggle. We see forms of motion, searching, asking questions, wondering, wandering, even stopping because we simply can't go on. We don't have the information we need. All those important information deficits, we need to discover them. And that is a part of the learning experience. And what happens in the classroom is you teach people to notice their motion. And then you send them out on the floor so that during the course of the day, they can use that experience of their work during the course of a day as an opportunity to look for signs of motion because that will bring them to missing missing information. And they will address, they will remove the motion and the information deficit that caused it through visual devices, visual solutions. So we talked about all that. That's one of the real metrics of visuality and of the pre-visual conditions, the number of information deficits. We talked about using the memo pad and the first question is free. Okay? And through it all, I urged you, now we're getting to the point of today, Through it all, I urge you not to depend on people's innate gifts to carry you there, to get the results, that the trainer needs to bring a great deal to the learning event, and if you rely on people's imagination as the fountain for ideas, for solutions, as the source, you're missing the point. You're not only missing the point, but you will certainly miss creating a fully functioning visual work environment and you will miss the important business results that visuality must bring. You will achieve cultural alignment beyond your wildest dreams through visuality. But you will also achieve tremendous business results. And, a 15 to, and if a 15 to 30% increase in productivity doesn't impress you, please give me a call. I want to talk to you and understand What world, what planet are you from? (laughs) So we're going to talk about that in detail today, about not relying on people's imagination because they will disappoint you, but instead making sure that you do your homework. And your homework means that whatever you are teaching, before you teach it, 
you go out to Gemba and you find it in the environment where the people whom you are going to be training the next day or in three days where they are working. We're talking operator-led. You can do the same thing for your CEOs. You can do the same thing for your supervisors. You go to their Gemba and you find the opportunity in their environment in advance of your training. You do this as homework so that when they come into the room and turn to you for, okay, what's next? How are you going to help me? You are ready. You are still going to do the training, but you will know what the minimum level of outcome is before you begin. You will know, and maybe you'll bring a colleague with you, which I always suggest. Bring somebody with you so you have another pair of eyes. Hey, help me find the motion related to, for example, the what is map, the map of Gemba as it is today. Help me find the triggers. Help me find the level of motion that exists in this current layout. Because I know I'm going to be teaching people to do that mapping in the next session. And I need to be prepared for what level is there. And for example, if you are a machine-driven environment, you need to go out and experience for yourself that it is not at all obvious. When you have master machines, they will induce you to believe that there is no motion because we have to obey the master machine and do its placement. We have to make sure everything feeds into that, comes out of that. You have to look very deeply for motion before you can teach the first step of smart placement, which is that first map. I know that some of you are not that familiar with my training approach, but if you have the Work That Makes Sense book, it maps to that exactly. Chapters 5, 6, 7. I'm sorry, 4, 5, 6. 4, 5, 6. Yes, that's right. Four, five, six. It might be seven as well. Four chapters, three chapters out of 11 on smart placement. You begin with the what is map. What is in Gemba really going on? What What are the triggers of motion caused by the layout of function? And you find that as your homework. This is one example. I want to give you another example in a moment about a multi shift improvement cycle. How to handle that? You have to do your homework. But let me give you a few more illustrations here. You cannot depend on people's imagination to figure out how to change that layout. So when you go to the next step of smart placement, for example, and they're going to do a second map, their dream map, which you might call in lean their ideal state, but it's not quite that. It's close, but I think more functional. You have to know what that new layout will look like because you've already done it yourself. And it isn't that you present it during the training. It's that you know what is possible, at least to the extent of your own understanding. And you'll have that as a minimum in your brain so you can coach people in one direction or another. It is so important. When we are applying principles and methodology We are saying, we know you're smart, participants, CEO, supervisor, operator, 
But what we want to bring to your smartness, your native gifts, is a framework of thinking, a line of logic that will allow you to use that logic as a tool and go deeper, to really develop your intelligence so that you become super smart. You see? That's what you're doing. You are doing your homework so that you're prepared. And you will also be totally surprised because if you teach well, people will take you at their word, at your word, and they will go further to places that you've never imagined because they understand Gemba much better. But that's not imagination. That's grooming the intelligence. What you may call thinking. You groom people's intelligence through the framework of principles and practices. Mostly through the framework of principles so that when you go to smart placement, principles, the 14 principles of smart placement. I'm going to touch upon them after a break. We're going to go into a break in just a moment. You will already know how those principles exist or can't exist in your experience in the Gemba of your participants. We'll talk about operators in that regard. Okay, you you have to know that. You can't come into a classroom you know, knowing that this is a good methodology and hoping things turn out well. You design the training in your mind. You know what are the, the, the minimum levels will be that you will reach because you already know what they are and you know that you can coach for them. So we'll come back after a break. We're in the heart of the matter right now, which is you want to be a brilliant visual workplace trainer. Do your homework. Don't rely on people whom you are training to think to think as well as you can think. Get ready for their success by achieving your own. We'll be back in just a minute. I'll be here. Thank you. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Game-changing technologies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up the status quo. They get your thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take a coffee break with Game Changers on Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time for our special series on today's top big data innovators. Learn about emerging big trends and technologies and how you can grow your business and profit. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Gwendolyn. And this is the third segment of our show today at the Visual Workplace. We are deeply into the next segment of becoming a brilliant Visual Workplace trainer. And by the way, uh, over the break, I got a phone call from a lady in North Carolina who asked me to give the uh, t- tell uh, to say where people can get the book that I was referring to. Work that makes sense. Thank you very much, Marianne. Um, and that is, you can order our books on Amazon. They're on Kindle, they're on print-on-demand in many, many countries throughout the world on Kindle, every place Amazon is, and we're beginning to find ways to get to go beyond Amazon in the countries that they're not. Or you can order it from our website. You can always order it from our website, visualworkplace.com, www.visualworkplace.com. And you can also call in with your questions. Thank you, Marianne. 866-472-5790 during any show. We will start having call-in shows as soon as people are used to this new time, Thursdays at 10 o'clock Pacific, 1 o'clock Eastern. But you can call in anytime, 866-472-5790. Send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. That's another way to ask your questions, make your comments, or... Uh, just go to visualworkplace.com and our books are there. I'm working on several new books, but darn it, I need some quiet time to do it. And it'll be a while, a few months before some new books come out. So we were talking about the importance of doing your homework when you have specific modules or content to teach. So here's the one of the big big problems in training. People think that they are showing respect by simply relying on the imagination of the folks who come to be trained. That is one small aspect. I would give that about 12% of what the outcome should be. What I want to encourage you to do is depend as well on a step-by-step process, a methodology, a line of logic that unfolds a methodology of principles and practices, but also depend on your own development as a visual thinker trainers, your own development trainers as a visual thinker, and do your homework, right? You go out and you look for the applications that you are going to be asking people to discover in the next day or two days or next week when you train. You have to be pre-informed. This is a required part of your preparation for good training. Oh, yes, by the way, also Marianne asked, uh, we have all of these webinars. They're pre-recorded. They're available. And we think that they're very reasonable. You can send us an email if you're interested in that. But nevertheless, whatever you are training, however you are training visuality, don't expect this to come out of the sky or out of people's brain. You have to do your homework so that you're prepared as you are listening to people's questions, 
as they are saying to you, hey, you know what, that doesn't really relate to our area. Let me give you some examples. We have 14 principles of smart placement. And we have them broken into two sets. We advise you to teach them in two sets because when taken seriously, they can create a great deal of benefit. For example, locate function at or near point of use. Pretty straightforward, right? But do you see the applications? Have you already found them in the work areas where you're going to be uh, training people in the next three days? Nothing on the floor, nothing on top. Do you really see the way those materials are hiding at the top of cabinets and at the top of shelves ready to crash down on their heads? If people don't notice it in the classroom, you're going to ask those questions. Questions that sound like, you know what, I I don't know, I think this principle really applies. I mean, I, I was there the other day and something almost fell on my head, but I want you to find where. Can you recall that in your mind's eye? Where there's danger, find it because there's an application of the principle. I'm certain of it. I want you to find it. Capture the full function. This is about the range of motion when doors open and close cabinet doors or access points where you see things piled up in front. Those are the lower level principles, but what about do major and minor sorts or design to task? Wonderful applications in almost every industry, certainly in hospitals, certainly in offices, and also in factories. Use the existing architecture Do you find applications in advance of this so that you're prepared to help people see see where they're missing an opportunity? You're not going to be telling them. You're going to be coaching them. And that means doing your teaching by asking questions. Questions that sound like, oh, you know, I I don't know. I, I know you're skipping over this one, but I just feel there's an application I want you to think about it again, or can I tell you what happened to me the other day when I was walking through your area? Kaboom happened. And I don't know, I think there might be an opportunity there. Anybody tracking with me here? You're talking at the table. And by the way, you are not standing up. You are uh, squatting down so that your knees are closer to the floor. You're on people's eye level. You're not standing over them. You do not have a coffee cup in your hand. No one in a position of authority is allowed to be in your training room holding a coffee cup of any size, of any order, or a bottle of anything. And when you talk, you're on eye level with people. If that means you're down into a squat, then you squat down. And if you're eavesdropping, you do not make eye contact. You just stare at the floor and you listen and you just say politely, you know, I just want to listen in. If you make eye contact, people are going to feel it. They're going to turn to you as an authority. Mm, But you have to hear what their thinking is. Store things, not air. Have you seen the applications? Have you seen those 12-inch shelves where only six inches of the shelf is used? Mm, And what does store things, not air mean for a CEO? Or for a manager of engineering, and you're helping them see the application of these ideas. Or use the natural flow line or double up the function. You have to go out in advance. It is your homework. It will take you a half an hour in preparation at Gemba. And you do this. 
Otherwise, you can't teach. If you do not know the minimum level of outcome that is possible, that is available in the physical area where you're teaching, especially for operator-led visuality, please don't teach. You're not ready. Take a week off. Do your homework first. You don't ask people to come to to their uh, to come without uh, their homework, so you must do yours. You have to model this. You don't have to talk about it. The way in front of people, the way it will demonstrate itself is through the brilliance of your teacher teaching. You will become a brilliant teacher of visuality, and when you do this, you'll understand that this part is difficult. You might say. Or you might say, you know, this part is easy. Let's do the easy first and then move to the difficult. You'll rearrange your teaching a little bit, but you'll be prepared. You will have lived the lives of the people that you are teaching. And they will know it. Your teaching will become astute and careful. And you will not rely on people's imagination, on their ideas. Because not everybody comes to a classroom at 7.30 in the morning, bursting with ideas. You need a particular kind of fanatic to have that on night and day. And they are, they are amongst us. You know that. There are people who are turned on all the time. And if you do not work to create parity with those people who are not turned on all the time, then you're going to have these one-note Johnnies. You're going to have these people who really uh, alienate others around them by their own brilliance. You can't have that either. It's your responsibility to create parity. All of these things. Okay? So when you teach, you prepare to teach. And if you don't prepare to teach, you will not get the benefit. Because all of this is going on inside of the classroom. The next two times we meet, and I think I'm going to finish this up in two more times. Next week I'm going to be traveling, so we'll have an encore show. But after that, I want to talk to you about using the blitz and using the hit list as a way to focus. And also, the final show will probably be about how to take care of the care and uh, the care and feeding of your trainers, how to take care of trainers so that they live to fight another day, so that they feel fluffy and uh, optimistic about their work and they, they get the appropriate feedback and support. We'll talk about that as well. And I have mechanisms for this. I've been doing this for 30 years. Every mistake you've made, I've made 100 times. The only difference with me is I've had the grace of time to think about how I can do it differently. That's been the beauty of of my life, that I have enough quiet moments in it to figure out what to do differently. Okay, we're going into a break now. Um, Keith, I hope you're ready for it. And when we come back, we'll be talking about... um, Uh, getting ready when we have multi-shift improvement, which is something that I wrote about in the uh, copy, in the announcement, in a multi-shift improvement. How do we make sure that people can improve even though they're sharing the same real estate? We'll do that right after the break. Thanks very much. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. 
Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, Visual Edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Gwendolyn. We're in our fourth and last segment of today's show. The next segment of becoming a brilliant visual workplace trainer. And I want to correct uh, the name of my fine technical support, our studio technician. He is not Keith, but his name is Kevin, Kevin Gassman. And uh, we're just getting to know each other because I'm at a new time. And my great friend Matt is no longer, uh, we no longer see each other every week or talk to each other every week. So Matt, it's been swell. And Kevin Gassman, uh, I'm glad to know you. (laughs) Just before the break, uh, we were talking about... um, this idea of homework. So I want you to be careful to make sure that people are developing their thinking each time you meet. Do not train just to complete the training. If you're doing our 14 modules, do not train in order to get through module 8, module 9, module 10, and pick up speed and make your boss happy because your boss will not be happy. You will not get results. You have to train in order to help people see their motion, think, and create robust visual solutions to get rid of the motion and therefore the information deficits. And a key to your success is the time that you spend before each training session to do your own homework, to apply the principles and concepts you are about to teach to the same area, if you're working with operators, to where your participants Work. You do the same thing with CEOs, but with a, a, a different perspective, of course. A different, it's a different Gemba. So with operators, let's just talk about that because that's an easy way for you to conceptualize this, I hope. You think through what you will ask them 
so that they can think through and find areas of application, applications of thought and application of visual solutions. You want, to, you want them to apply the knowledge and reconceptualize their area, and therefore you have to do it in advance. You have to know in advance what the change will look like so you can coach and be confident, first of all, that there are application areas, and secondly, that you can bring people into this new thinking. And if you discover that you cannot find an application for a particular part of what you're teaching, don't expect your operators to, and yet tell them that you were not able to find a fit and challenge them to find one when you could not. Everyone who does gets a candy bar. Your job is to inspire and to inform and to transform. Transform people, transform the workplace. So you challenge them and you say, I couldn't do it. Can you? They would love to show you up, as you know. So I want to take a particular case in point, which has to do with what happens when you are doing this in a multi-site environment. I'm sorry, in a multi-shift environment. When you have, for example, four shifts or five shifts, and maybe they're even rotating. Because... You know the visual workplace is a change in the physical workplace. So what do you do when that physical workplace is shared by many, by many people and many shifts? I have come up with a a, um, a protocol that I want you to really think about carefully. And in doing so, I want you to set aside one of your myths about how improvement happens. There is a lot of discussion nowadays about improvement being a consensus activity, one where you agree upon before you change. I have found this to be counterproductive. It is true, here is an exception, it is true that you have to agree upon changes in layout that are shared through multiple shifts. Of course you do. And that is a slow and important consensus process. We talked about that when we talked about smart placement. You can find that on our roster of, of shows for that discussion. But when it comes to improving those areas, you can't wait for consensus across four shifts when you want to put a, 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 quali- a color code system on quality in place or where you want to rearrange a particular bench. And the way that I have been successful in doing it is this. You divide up the real estate. You make a map of the area, and you divide the area into its logical work uh, segments. If it is an area, and I'm not talking about the plant, I'm talking about an area. Let's say you have 30 Acme Gridley machines. One of them is a brand-new machine, A set of four is for Chrysler. You're making screws, by the way. Screws for Chrysler. You're making screws for for Volkswagen. There's another set of machines for, um, for GM. Another set for Mercedes. Whatever. You find a way to segment the real estate. And then you let different people on different shifts own that area. So if you have 10 people on one shift, four on another, 
four on another, and even four on another. You get them in groups of two, and you make sure that there are five into, two into ten is five, two into four is two, that gives us uh, seven, another two for the next four, that gives us nine, and another two for the, th- for the fourth four. You need 11 areas. 11 areas, you need to divide up the real estate into 11 areas. You put people on those areas in pairs. And you say, I'm teaching you the principles and practices of visual order, visual inventiveness, the visual wear. I want you to apply to those two areas. And they stay steady on those areas for a period of two months where they're applying the, uh, they're applying the principles. They own that. And while other people are working on their areas, I want you to notice their changes because you might want to bring them into your area as your changes or build on them. And in that way, people can move ahead and some of them will move forward quickly. Some of them will drag their feet. You can predict this. But people who are forging ahead will create the peer pressure, will create the inspiration, will create the showcase And others will either mimic it or they will build on it. They will go further. They will do less. But you are allowing people to forge ahead pretty much on the power of their own eye. They have one partner on the same shift. These are shift partners. And when you have improvement, they're going to be focusing on their machine. When you have multi-shift, I have found no other way to do this because in, vis- in the visual workplace, they have to, people have to own the real estate long enough for them to make the change without going through the arduous, impossible process of getting people to agree. Now, there are other, diff- there are other ways to deal with multi-shift, but I found no more, none more effective than this. And you have to do your homework as a trainer and get that worked out so that you can present this protocol when people, when it comes time to, okay, this is the way we're going to do it. And if you've got complaints, I want to hear about them, but just talk to me about your complaints. Because this is my model of application, and I want to make sure that it works. But if it doesn't work, I need to know why. So talk to me, please. And remember, we're doing four shifts. That means, trainers, that you're training on four shifts. You may have partners, but there still needs to be one trainer who is the go-to person in order to suss out difficulties and challenges, and to shift the protocol if necessary. But this is your homework, and if you don't do it, you'll not be able to move. You're going to train for 20 hours, and you know what you're going to do? You're going to get five visual devices. You're going to train 32 people for 20 hours, and you're going to get five visual devices instead of 100 or 200 visual devices. Later on, if you have a flood of visual devices, you can work on these mini systems that will bring visual devices together in areas of function, such as material, material handling or the handling of tools or the handling of medical supplies or the handling of patient discharge. All of these can happen on a more macro level once you get people to become visual thinkers on the micro level of their own physical area. Please send me emails with your questions about this. If I didn't say it clearly enough or if I've spoken to you in contradictions, call me on it and I'll do better. Let me know what you're hearing. Let me know what will work. 
these are really the fruits of the last 30 years of my doing training and making a lot of mistakes. I want you to use these things or do better. I've done my homework. So I can present that to you as a baseline. This is the minimum. Maybe you can use it as a building block to go further or change it completely. If you change it completely, let me know because I'm interested. I had a wonderful time with you today, as usual. And I want to wish you a very, very good week without me. This is the Visual Workplace. I'm getting a signal from my friend, my new friend, Kevin Gassman, that I have to say goodbye now. And I will see you the next time. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'm signing off. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 